Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is Episode 8 of Season 2 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, and it's being brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped develop young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. Just to forewarn you, probably a a little bit briefer visit than uh, usual today. It is game day. It is Monday, November the 15th as we record this, and it should drop later today. Grizzlies will take on the Houston Rockets. Uh, It'll be a two-game homestand. Rockets on Monday, Clippers on Thursday, and uh, then the Grizzlies go away for two at Minnesota and then at the Utah Jazz. So a little bit briefer visit. For a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, it's game day, so uh, timing's a little tight. Got to prep for tonight's game. As per usual, we will go with that was the week that was, and also Petey's points as well. Uh, rough weekend for the Memphis Grizzlies. They had a back-to-back. One game you knew was going to be very, very difficult with the Phoenix Suns on Friday. And Saturday night, you go to New Orleans, and you think, well, New Orleans is really, really struggling. Uh, maybe that's going to be the game that we're going to get. Did not work out uh, quite as planned. On Friday night, Grizzlies lose to Phoenix 119-94. to uh, Phoenix led this one wire to wire. It was tied once. Uh, Suns led it by as many as 38. And everybody, it seemed, played well for the Phoenix Suns. Now, look, Phoenix Suns are a good basketball team. If you are going to have any opportunity to think about beating them, you're going to have to play your very best. And the Grizzlies did not. They they shot very poorly, 38% from the floor, 7 of 33 from 3. For you math nerds out there, that's 21.2%. They were minus 11 in three-pointers made. Phoenix made 18 and shot almost 49% from beyond the arc. Uh, this was a totally dominant performance by the Phoenix Suns. You saw that uh, Chris Paul in full command of his game with 15 points, 12 assists, five steals, and just two turnovers. Uh, We talk about floor generalship. We talk about the ability of the point guard to manipulate a game, to handle a game, to manage a game. And Chris Paul, and I know that a lot of people in Memphis don't like him from his his prior stops wherever they were, whether it was Oklahoma City uh, or the Clippers or New Orleans or, or wherever, I know the fans of Memphis don't like him, but I think the longer that you see him play and the longer that you see him play at this insanely high level, you have to, perhaps grudgingly, admit what a great player he is. And certainly Chris Paul is that. We're seeing the the evolution of Devin Booker as well for the Phoenix Suns. He's gone from simply being a scorer when he didn't have much in the way of help uh, to being a more well-rounded basketball player. He was plus 31 in this game. 17 points on 17 shots, only one of five from three, only got to the free throw line twice, but did have five rebounds and seven assists. And right now, Devin Booker is having the best rebounding year of his career. I know to a lot of people that probably doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot, but it does tell me that Devin Booker has gone from being the gunner and the one and only guy that Phoenix had that could really beat you 
to being part of a championship level basketball team. And remember, the Phoenix Suns did this without DeAndre Ayton, who was out with a, um, a contusion on his leg, right lower leg contusion. This was a, a, a total team effort. Cameron Payne, Cam Johnson, all playing well off the bench. This is a very complete Phoenix Suns team, and, and they did well without a, a, a huge game from Mikkel Bridges, who finished with 13. Jay Crowder had his best game of the year. He had five threes himself. Grizzlies as a team had eight. But Jay Crowder, great veteran leader for this basketball team, along with Chris Paul. And I think that the addition of Jay Crowder and Chris Paul are the big, biggest reasons why the Phoenix Suns got to the Western Conference Finals last year. And they did look like a Western Conference Finals and NBA Finals uh, championship aspirational team on Friday night against the Memphis Grizzlies. So you, so you go to, you lick your wounds, 119-94, it's Phoenix, they're really, really good. You didn't play real well. They played exceptionally well. So you lick your wounds, you go down to New Orleans, where New Orleans the night before had lost to Brooklyn, but in a close game. Pelicans come into the game Saturday night at home, 1-12 and on the season. The only game they won was a road game at Minnesota, and so they had not won a game at home. They were 0-6 at home, but playing better basketball. Did not have Zion Williamson. During their losing streak, they did not have, it was a nine-game losing streak, they did not have Brandon Ingram, and that's a key piece of this. They had not had him for the last seven games of that nine-game losing streak. Unfortunately for the Grizzlies, that nine-game losing streak came to an end on Saturday night at Smoothie King Center. The Pelicans, one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA, shoot 48% from three. They shoot 48% from the floor. The Grizzlies, another struggling night from three, just 33% at eight of 24. And the Grizzlies, they never lead in this one either. They trail by as many as 22. Made a run at it in the fourth quarter. But anytime you get down by 22, the chances of you, and, 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 and even if you come back, or even if you go down 22 early in the game, that's still a pretty big mountain to climb. And you were playing a Pelicans team that was starting to feel a little bit better about itself because of how they had played against Brooklyn the night before. And you're also playing against a very desperate New Orleans team because nobody wants to be 1-13. Well, the Pelicans are now 2-12. and courtesy of a 112-101 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. This Pelicans team, regardless of how good or bad they are, regardless of who they put in uniform, it seems that they have, at least over the last two to three years, have had the Grizzlies number throughout. Now, the New Orleans Pelicans and David Griffin has, has put together, I mean, they've got pieces. Brandon Ingram, obviously, professional scorer, great scorer. Jonas Valanciunas, the only thing that went wrong for Jonas Valanciunas in this game is his 11-game streak of double-doubles came to an end. One rebound short of a double-double for Jonas. 15 points on seven shots, six of seven from the floor, three of three from three. Never got to the free-throw line. Didn't need to. Devontae Graham, they get him from Charlotte. Did not shoot it well from three, but still finished with 15 points. One of the young players that I think people are going to come to see is, is, is really, really good is Nikhil Alexander-Walker out of Toronto. Uh, 21 points 
on 7 of 14 shooting, got to the free throw line, played very, very well. Herbert Jones, the rookie, was exceptional. He had 17 off the bench. Um, This is a New Orleans Pelicans team. Once Willie Green decides on his rotations, because he's been moving guys in and in in and out of the lineup. Uh, they had had in the previous uh, 13 games had had four different starting lineups. They're still trying to figure out their rotation. They still don't have Zion Williamson. They don't know when they're going to get Zion Williamson back. But uh, once they, they kind of get themselves settled in, it's a team that has a lot of talent. And when you look at the talent level on this team and you say, why are they just 2-12? and 12? Well, part of it is Brandon Ingram missed seven, I think, was – with, with a sore hip. So that, that certainly did not help them. The other thing, too, about the Pelicans, they had been in seven clutch games. And the NBA statistical manual says a clutch game is games in the final five minutes and the margin is within five points. They had played seven games. So seven of their first 13 had been clutch games, and they lost them all. They Once they got into the clutch, they couldn't shoot. They couldn't defend. They couldn't score. They couldn't do anything. And so that's a big reason why. You lose all the close games. Yeah, that's how you end up going into the game Saturday night at 1-12 and with a nine-game losing streak. This game never got to a clutch situation, uh, unfortunately, for the Grizzlies. John Morant, solid game, 22 points, 10 assists, only one turnover, one rebound shy of a triple-double. Dylan Brooks gets his first start of the season. Dylan was really good, 23 points. Five boards, got to the free throw line, made them all. But the issue is Jaron Jackson Jr. had one of his really bad nights where he was one of eight from the floor, 0 of three from three, um, only had three rebounds, was more concerned with the officiating than he was with what he was doing on the floor. Regardless of what you think of the whistle that goes against you, you can't let it get into your head. And and that happened, I think, a little bit with Jaron in, in the New Orleans game. DeAnthony Melton went to the bench but only came up with four points. And again, the Grizzlies, look, you, you can't shoot 8 of 24 when the other team is making 48% of their threes and expect to win a basketball game. It, it's just it's not going to happen. And the Grizzlies only shot about 50% in the paint. Didn't get a whole lot of fast break opportunities because, again, New Orleans is shooting 48%. So a, a disappointing weekend for the Grizzlies. I don't think there's any question about that. You you would have been more than happy to have split that weekend back-to-back. You understand Phoenix, man, you're going to have to play your very, very best to have a chance against them. And you think the Pelicans, well, hey, look. I mean, you look at the record. It's human nature. They're 1-12. They've lost nine in a row. They haven't won a home game yet. Well, now they have uh, 112-101. And that was the week that was for the Memphis Grizzlies. And before we get to Petey's points, a couple of uh, things to uh, mention to you. Number one, no friend of the program today because it's, because it's a game day tight turnaround schedule. We will have a friend of the program that will return on the show that drops on Thursday. Brian Seaman, the TV voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, will drop by and we'll chat about the state of the Clippers in advance of that night's game against the Clippers in Memphis. So we'll have that coming up in the next episode of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Also want to tell you that the Grizz Weekly Grind is being brought to you today by 
DraftKings Sportsbook. You know the NHL season is underway. Now, DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a goal, it seems like a no-brainer, right? Doesn't matter if it's a one-time slapper or a deft deflection or how it goes in the back of the net. However they like the lamp, you win. Now, if Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, fret not. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed because everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Basketball, football, UFC, you name it. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. So download DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net gets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get to some PD's points. First off, disappointing back-to-back week with the losses. As I said earlier, and that was the week that was, you figure Phoenix, if you play really, really well and maybe they have an off night, you got a shot. You think against New Orleans, you should have a shot. Uh, But it's disappointing. And I think right now the Grizzlies in a three-game losing streak, there's a lot of concern about defensive issues. And the defensive issues are in a thumbnail. Uh, they are essentially this. This is a basketball team that defensively is not disciplined. They are not on a string. They are not playing together. And they lack a certain level of communication. The really, really good defense is in the NBA. And you will hear coaches and, and people around the game say the defense is on a string, which is that their reaction to an offensive action is there to defend and there is a chain reaction. If the ball goes here, this defender goes here, this defender switches here. Uh, and, and it almost has to become, uh, you know, like, like a marionette, like a, like a puppet on a string that you, you move this way, defense moves that way. You move this way and the defense matches your move. Right now, the Grizzlies aren't doing that for whatever reason. And in talking with people who have watched a lot of tape of the Grizzlies, they're telling me that, this is a basketball team that, that that's not disciplined in their roles. There's nothing wrong with the scheme, per se. But one of the phrases you haven't heard from Taylor Jenkins recently is game plan discipline. And I think that that's been really true on the defensive side of the floor. Uh, this team, in some ways, is better offensively. They can be better offensively, particularly when they're hitting threes. Now, the last three or four games, they're shooting about 30% from three. You do that on a season-long basis, you're going to be at the very, very bottom of the league. So we understand they're going through a cold spell. So the issue is, if you are not scoring, which the Grizzlies right now are really struggling to score, your defense has to be exceptional. The Grizzlies' defense, even on on the best of days, uh, they've only had two games this season where their defensive rating has been lower than 110 points per game. That's not good. Of course, they won those two games, uh, one against Denver and then the Golden State game. Other than that, the defensive rating has been 110 or higher, 
which again is, is not going to win you a lot of basketball games. Grizzlies offense is not good enough at this point. And a lot of offenses is not would not be good enough at this point to overcome a defensive rating in a game of 110 or higher. There aren't enough possessions in the game. The Grizzlies don't make enough threes in a game. They don't get to the free throw line enough a game to offset what their defense is giving up. The fix is there, but it is dependent upon the players to carry out the defensive schemes. The Grizzlies have good coaching. They've got good scouting. I think the game plan is there, but... The game plan discipline is not there. The defensive discipline is not there. The Grizzlies lead the league, at least they were leading the league, going into the New Orleans game in, in what you call stocks, all right, which would be um, blocks plus steals together. So the Grizzlies, they're among the league leaders in block shots. They're among the league leaders in steals. But the problem is they cannot get clean stops. And by a clean stop, I mean a missed shot. That's where they're having issues. And teams are shooting 48, 49, 50% against them. So you're always taking the ball out of the net. The Grizzlies are a very good transition team, but they're not getting a lot of transition opportunities because they can't force the other team to miss. Now, you, I know you can run after makes. Grizzlies haven't been as successful doing that. But, but for purposes of this conversation, or monologue as the case may be, uh, you're not going to get a lot of fast break opportunities if you're not getting stops. Sometimes you can get off of steals or turnovers, sometimes, uh, sometimes off of block shots. But the best way is to get a clean defensive rebound, a good outlet pass, and let's get to the other side of the floor. So these defensive issues really have a, a multitude of negative impacts flowing from them. And until the Grizzlies solve these defensive issues or come up with, with a, a better way of, of handling their defense, they're going to continue to struggle. And, and tonight they've got a Houston team that, uh, no, they're not particularly good either, and, and, and they got beat up uh, last night at home against Phoenix, and now Houston comes in at 1-12 on the season, only 89 points on 41% shooting and 22% from three against Phoenix. This has to be a game where the Grizzlies take care of business. You're at home against a 1-12 team that's on the second of a back-to-back and had to travel you got to take care of business. But it will have to start on the defensive end. It always starts on the defensive end. I know you have to score more points than the other team, but part of that is being able to defend your own goal, and the Grizzlies have not done a very good job of that. And you can see when we have the opportunity to sit courtside and the other team drives right to the front of the rim and scores, you can see Taylor Jenkins. You can see his shoulders slump just a little bit. He doesn't want to be too demonstrative, but you can tell that it bothers him. The body language is indicative that this is a coach who's like, we coach these guys up, and it, it's not happening. So uh, when it comes to defense, I think the game plan is there. I, I think the, the strategy is there. I think the X's and O's are there. But these guys have to talk it out. they got to talk out the switches. They have to, they have to communicate. Um, and that flows into another PD's point, which I believe is number three because I've lost count. Um, and I've had this argument with, with people that the Grizzlies – they're the second youngest team in the league, okay, behind Oklahoma City. Typically, the youngest teams in the NBA are the ones that you find at the bottom of the standings. Typically, that is the case. Last year, the Grizzlies were one of the youngest teams in the NBA, and of the six youngest, the Grizzlies were the only ones to make the playoffs, and they had to win two playing games to do it. Again, the Grizzlies are the second youngest 
team in the NBA. One of the things that I, I personally think that the Grizzlies are missing, I, they're missing the OG who has maybe been on a deep playoff run, maybe has a ring, uh, has been to the finals or, or, or what have you, to be in a locker room and say, guys, come on, this is crazy. We're, we're giving up almost you know 50% shooting to New Orleans. Come on. Uh, and and can, can rally the troops from a player level. There's only so much the coaches can do. The coaches do the scouting. The coaches lay out the game plan. But the players got to play. And no matter how much Taylor Jenkins writes on the whiteboard, no matter what the coaching staff tells them, no matter how much video they look at, the players have to go out there and they have to execute. And sometimes you need the OG to get the young guys together and say, fellas, this is, this, this is not acceptable. This is not an acceptable standard to play. It's one thing to hear it from a coach, but you hear it from one of your peers, a peer that has been around the league for a period of time, a peer that hopefully you will respect. It hits a little differently, and the Grizzlies don't have that. They haven't had that since, since Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill were with the team a couple of years ago. Now, Again, like I said, I've had this conversation with other people, and people are like, well, you got Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson's been around. He's been in a, in a winning program with San Antonio. Is he the type of vocal leader who can really pull this group together and hold them accountable? There's, you know, there, 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 is, there is the respect of your elders, I think, that, that comes into play here. And I just don't, I don't think – I love Kyle's game, but I don't think that he is that guy. Steven Adams, could he be that guy? He's been – uh, high-level basketball with Oklahoma City. Can he do that? Maybe he can, but is he comfortable doing that? Is he comfortable in that role? Because this is his first year with the team. So these are all these questions of leadership and and, and statesmanship, if you will, uh, from an older player that the Grizzlies don't have. They have gone all in uh, for the majority of the roster with with very, very young guys. And they're the second youngest team in the league, and I and I think that it, in some ways that that ends up hurting them. Uh, it's 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 something that you know everybody has a different take on how you build a roster. And I, I think if if you had access or you had the opportunity to add somebody, I know Jay Crowder's not available, but you know some somebody of that ilk uh, that has been around the block a few times, has had a, a, a deep playoff run, and maybe has a, a defensive mindset. That's that to me seems to be a missing ingredient for this team. And it's been a commonality for, for several years. Um, and so that's, again, that, that, that's merely my viewpoint. I, I, like I said, I've argued this with people and their people tell me like, no, that that's not really, that's not really an issue. Um, it's fine. It's just my two cents. And I throw that out there for your consideration. Next PD's point. Uh, John Morant tweeted out after the game in new Orleans, I need to do more. I really appreciate the fact that he's taking responsibility and putting it out there publicly that he needs to do more. I don't know how much more he can do. Individually, he has been fantastic this year. Uh, he's been great rebounding. I mean, he's putting up some insane rebounding numbers for a player of his size. The assist numbers are there. Great assist to turnover ratio against New Orleans. He's scoring the ball. He's getting other people involved. Um, he has been just a fantastic player this year we knew that he was going to be great but I think he has really burst upon the scene this year I appreciate his wanting to take responsibility but if I had if I had Ja here I'd say Ja you got to get the other guys to come along with you 
because you're doing just fine. You feel you need to do more. That's fine. You want to do more. That's fine. But you need the other guys to come along with you. And you need the other guys to be taking the responsibility and not to just be tweeting it out after the game, but to actually do it in the game. Um, the frustration after the games is palpable. Got to get frustrated during the game and, and got to make it happen during the game. So good on you, Joff, for saying that publicly. Uh, just make sure that you bring your teammates along and the teammates need to follow Jaw's lead. I, I think he's a, I think he's a very, very good leader. He's charismatic. Players want to play with him. Uh, and so everybody needs to follow along with him. Next, Petey's point is, I really think this is an inflection point of the season. I don't want to say that you need to push, push the panic button, particularly if the Grizzlies were to lose this game to Houston, but you're now at a point where Teams are starting to figure you out. And one of the points that Brevin made during the telecast on Saturday night, and it's a very good one, is when a team like New Orleans that has been struggling sees Memphis coming in and Memphis giving up, you know, 40% three-point shooting and about 14 or 15 threes made per game, you see that their defense is near the bottom of the league in efficiency. All of a sudden, if you're New Orleans, your ears perk up. And you're like, hey, we can get this one. This team will, will give us open shots. If we move the ball, we'll get open shots. And so they can take those shots with an element of confidence that maybe they wouldn't if they're playing Brooklyn or Phoenix or, or one of the other uh, big dogs in the NBA. It's, the reason I say it's an inflection point right now is because if you were to go on a four-game losing streak, two of which you've never had a lead, and if you were to lose to Houston at home, and Houston's on the second of a back-to-back, teams around the league are going to go like, well, we know that we can get whatever we want against Memphis. And so then all those shots become what we call shoot-around shots that they're taking with confidence because the Grizzlies aren't closing you out. So this is, this is, this is an important game. And, and even Rob Fisher on the telecast said before the, before the New Orleans game, he said, I think this is a really, really important game because you needed to make a stand. You needed to get yourself right against a team that statistically, you're much better than. Grizzlies statistically should be better than Houston tonight. They've just got to go out there and prove it. And if you go out there and, and you beat up on Houston and you win by 15, 20 points, now you can take a deep breath and then you can focus on the Clippers on Thursday night, which will be a very, very tough test. But like I said, I, I think this is an inflection point in the early part of the season. Because you don't want to get the reputation if you're the Memphis Grizzlies. You don't want to give teams the thought in their mind that they can get any shot they want, threes, twos, rim runs, lobs, whatever. You don't want to, you don't want to be scouted as the team that doesn't play very good defense because then other teams are going to come in and they're going to feel confident before they even throw the ball up. And, and that's, not, uh, that's not good for the Memphis Grizzlies. Finally, uh, Want to send very best wishes to Dave Yeager. Uh, many of you may have read the story, and this was this was a real gut punch after getting on the bus after the New Orleans game. But Dave Yeager, uh, the news breaking through Adrian Wojnarowski, and then uh, Dave confirming it a little bit later that uh, he is stepping away from the Philadelphia 76ers bench. He has been diagnosed with a form of head and neck cancer, and so he's going to get away from the team, and he will begin his treatment for that. Um, Head and neck cancer, I, we, I don't have an exact diagnosis. Uh, my cousin, in fact, has had neck cancer. If you catch it early and you get the treatment early, there is a very, very high survival rate of 
this form of cancer as, as, as far as has been reported. Dave Yeager himself saying there's a 90% chance that, you know, he's, he's going to beat this. But having said that, and having had a family member who has gone through this type of cancer, uh, the treatment's pretty brutal, uh, particularly with radiation and chemotherapy. And uh, it's, it's not going to be an easy road. I have no doubt that Dave Yeager is going to kick cancer's butt, but it's going to take a lot out of him. And so uh, Dave Yeager, by winning percentage, is the winningest coach in Grizzlies franchise history. Started out as one of the last assistants on Mark Ivoroni's staff. And he managed to stay through several uh, coaching changes and eventually became the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. He is a brilliant X's and O's coach, good guy to hang out with, um, and miss him here in Memphis because uh, he's just a, it's a really big personality, loves to play tennis. Um, but right now he is, he is in for a fight. And like I said, I think it's a fight he's going to win. But it is not going to be without its very, very difficult moments. So uh, all of us with the Grizzlies uh, send our very best to Dave Yeager, and, uh, and we wish him well as he continues this battle against cancer. So that is a wrap for Episode 8 of Season 2 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. A reminder that we'll drop the next show on Thursday. We will have uh, Brian Seaman of the Los Angeles Clippers to talk about the game against the Clippers that comes up on Thursday night. This has been the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.